0: Mac Power Users, episode 140. Question and answer. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. And, you know, we have been a little bit laxed lately on getting to our listener feedback. And uh, so what I figured we'd do in this episode is I've gone through it, you've gone through it, and we've tried to put it together in various categories. And, um, you know, rather instead of kind of doing the rapid fire question and answer that we usually do at the end, kind of trying to address some of the bigger issues that, that listeners seem to keep having come up on a regular basis and maybe cover a couple of bigger broad topics on this show.
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of an interesting workflow how we deal with uh, feedback. Uh, Most of it comes in with emails. You know, we have feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And uh, some of it comes in from Twitter, too. And when Katie or I see something of interest, we'll snap a copy of it and put it into an Omni Outliner file called feedback or pending feedback. And we just keep that, and then we'll go you know, hit some of it when we have time at the end of a show. But since a lot of our shows lately have been running pretty long, we just haven't had time. So now this pending feedback file is really long. And it's going to be fun going through some of this stuff. I think we've got some interesting topics to talk about. So this one, you're going to get a little taste of different things. But before we get into that, we've got a few housekeeping items. Uh, the first one is the issue with our feed. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, we, uh, we ran out of space with, you know, was it feed burner that we were using for yep. our feed? And as a result, uh, Dan did some magic for us that, that cut some space out of it, but also had to cut off the first, I believe 50 shows or 38 shows.
0: Well, we're, we're now truncated to the last 150 shows. No, that's not true. We're now truncated to the last 100 shows which okay. means now the first 40 shows have fallen off the RSS feed. But I just want to be clear because there's been some confusion about this. That doesn't mean that those first 40 shows are gone. You can still there it's a little more inconvenient to go get them, but they're still available for download on our website at macpowerusers.com or on the 5x5 site. That's just they're not going to show up direct in iTunes for download. Right now. We're working on and a fix every, to that.
1: And every minute of them is still absolutely relevant and important. So you must go find them.
0: Every but nanosecond of them.
1: We, we have a uh, solution. So it probably the first show in July, and you're going to hear about this a few times. So just bear with me uh, because not everybody listens to every episode. But starting the first show of July, we're going to move the feed entirely over to 5x5, five five, uh, which won't look any different to you. And it should just automatically move over. But if in early July, suddenly we stop showing up in your pod catcher of choice, please go back to the 5x5 website or MacPowerUsers.com and resubscribe. Uh, We don't want to lose anybody. So be aware of that.
0: Yeah. And and it actually may not happen until 30 days afterwards. So it may not actually happen until the end of August. So even though we flip that switch on July 1, um, there's still a 30-day redirection that FeedBurner gives. And the, the problem may occur at the end of that 30 days when FeedBurner is no longer redirecting. A couple of RSS readers, and by reader, I also mean RSS aggregator like podcatchers, may not flip over to the new feed. So
1: We're not going to make a big deal about it, but we also don't want to lose anybody, so be aware. And we'll do a post-up at the time. Yeah. How you know how ironic that we're dealing with this at the same time that Google is shutting down Reader.
0: I know, yeah. Well the guys over at seventy decibels are dealing with this too, because they're moving all their stuff off a of feed burner over to five by five. So I've been I've been keeping in touch with um Mike to say, Hey, how's that going? So we'll um, we'll let him work out all the kinks first.
1: And we do have a show planned on, ironically enough, RSS and what to do when Google shuts down Reader. And that'll be coming out closer to the time that the big switch happens. Yep. Uh, the other showkeeping note is that uh, Katie has replaced me And fir- her multi-step program to get rid of me. The first step is show notes, right?
0: I have. I do want to say thank you to Jagar. And I please hope that I'm saying your name right. Um. Who We sent out a call on Twitter for a couple of people a um, couple of people responded more than a couple, so thank you um, saying, "Hey, is anybody interested in helping us? We really want to do a better job capturing our show notes and We had several people respond and uh, Jagar or Jt or you know uh, wrote back and said, "I you know can, can we maybe try this on a trial basis and He did it for us last week, The show notes were amazing last week um and um so i think we've roped him into doing it for at least another time or so whether he'll do it permanently i don't know maybe he might um but we do have a couple other people on tap who are have said that they'll volunteer so maybe it'll be a rotating cast and crew but if you thought the show notes were good um just say thanks to him um we gave him a shout out on twitter and there'd be a link to his twitter uh in these show notes so just tell him thanks
1: yeah, so what we're looking for is to get real detailed show notes. We're going to try and get some little block quotes where appropriate, and maybe even timestamps where it makes sense. So hopefully, <laughs> they get demanding. even better. Well, it's really hard to do it while we record the show because I I suck so hard at multitasking. I'm I'm terrible at it. So if I if I get really good show notes, I'm not a very good host. So anyway, we we've got a, a possible solution. We're checking it out. All right. Let's get to work on this show, though, Katie. We've already into this thing six minutes. We haven't done anything of, of
0: yeah, merit yet. Yeah, we, we better start uh, really doing it. So the first kind of little segment that I want to talk about is syncing, because syncing is still problematic for people. And let's, let's start off by talking about everybody's favorite sync service, except for ours earlier today, and that is Dropbox. And uh, we had a lot of people write in in response to Dropbox and um, talking about... Um, kind of ways to, to use Dropbox. And Paul wrote in and really encouraged us to take a second look at the Send to Dropbox service. And that was one that we mentioned in the show as being available. And I don't know if you use this or not, but this is a service where... Um, you can, you can for pay, get a, uh, I don't know, is it even pay or not? But you can- It's not,
1: it's not pay. It's not I, well, pay. I think there's an upgrade for pay, but I, right. the one I use is the free version.
0: But you can get an email address associated with your Dropbox account. So if you send something to this email address, it will then you know link it up and forward it to your Dropbox account. And so there's some interesting workflow. I mean, just think about this. Sending an email and it goes into Dropbox. I do this all the time with Evernote and absolutely love it. Um I I guess a couple of things have kept me from doing it with Dropbox and the main reason has been my nervousness over the fact that this is not a Dropbox service. This is a third party service. And David, but you use this, so what are your thoughts?
1: So I, I've been dealing with this issue where I get emails on my iPad and I want to process them, like saving them for future use without having to go back to the Mac. And so, you know, the answer before was I put it in the action folder and when I Clear out the action folder at the end of the day, i deal with it then. And I've got a really cool keyboard shortcut, that command PP shortcut that automatically puts out a, a Prince PDF from an email. So that's a whole nother story. But
0: And on and wanna, the action folder, you mean the an, an IMAP folder, an email yeah, folder? I, yeah. yeah, an
1: IMAP folder. So, you know, when I, when we've talked about email before, but I've got a folder called action. So if something comes in the inbox and I want to deal with it that day, but I don't want to stop and deal with it at that moment, I can just send it to the action folder and deal with it later. And so that's what I was doing. So for instance, if I get an invoice from the company that I used to distribute the books, the PDFs of the books from, I want to save that for my tax records. And I want to make a PDF of that before I would save it to the action folder. And then the next time at my Mac, I'd hit command PP, which is my keyboard shortcut to print the PDF and everything would be fine and dandy. I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to look at it once on my iPad and handle it there and be done with it. So I set up an account with Cinda Dropbox, and a Dropbox has got some parameters you can set. I'm using the basic free account, and it creates a folder in your Dropbox um, in the apps file, and mine it's in the apps slash attachments. And then when I forward that invoice to the a Dropbox account. It creates a text version of that email. It's a TXT file and saves it in there. It also can do an HTML file of it. It cannot do a PDF of it, at least as far as I can tell. So then I've got Hazel looking at that attachments folder in my Dropbox, and it's got some rules. And it looks if it says in there that it's from my PDF distributor and says invoice, you know, a couple little things that are going to show up on every invoice. It'll automatically rename it. Um, save it to my tax records and save a copy to some other records and I'll be done with it. So now I can effectively between a combination of send to Dropbox and Hazel uh, manage those documents from my iPad. Did I go too fast?
0: No, you didn't go too fast. I guess I'm. Why, why, why do you have all these extra? It seems like a lot of extra steps.
1: What's the extra step?
0: Well, I mean, it seems not like you have multiple places that you're checking. Why wouldn't you just maybe forward this to your OmniFocus address and deal with it later?
1: Because then I would have to deal with it later. The way I'm doing it, I just forward it to send a Dropbox.
0: Oh, I see. And then Hazel automatically sorts it on your Mac that's running, your iMac that's running 24-7. Yes. Okay.
1: So, so that, that
0: only works for stuff that you don't have to do any, 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 any interaction
1: with. Yeah, it's stuff that I just want to file and get, get out of my life. Okay. So that's the way it works. It's not perfect. I, I think there's, there's a service out there that could be made to – you could forward an email from it to it, and they would send you back a PDF of that email. It just seems to me like a natural, especially as everybody's doing the mobile thing. I've even talked to a few software developers about it and they all kind of get it but I am maybe I'm a weirdo but I would like to be able to send an email well what I'd really like is on you the iPhone. You want iPad. your command
0: pp on the iPhone.
1: Yeah, exactly. A, that's what I would love but I don't think that's going to happen. And there are apps on the phone that can take an email and turn it into a PDF but they don't do it the way I want them to. I I kind
0: of I kind of do that a little bit with um
1: Evernote.
0: No, not Evernote. I do it with, but it only works when I'm on my local network. I do that with, um, what is the thing that will turn a Wi-Fi, a regular printer into a um, Printopia?
1: Yeah, Printopia would do it.
0: Printopia will do it, but that assumes that you're on a, you, you're you've on got, your you, you're on your Wi-Fi and you've got a Mac around.
1: Yeah. I, you know, maybe I just need to look at storing some of these records in Dropbox. I'm sorry, in Evernote, because mm-hmm. that would just do it for me.
0: It would, but it, you run into the problem that that you don't like about Evernote, in that unless it's saved as a PDF or a TIFF or, a JPEG or or some kind of attachable document, it's 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 a little bit hard to get out of Evernote. I know,
1: and every time I mention that, I get
0: I know you're going to get emails. A lot of Please emails. email David.
1: <laughs> I know but, how to but, do it, but he's right. No, it.
0: no, it emails it it exports if it's if it's not a PDF or JPEG or TIFF or or some kind something that is attached into Evernote, it it exports it as HTML, and that's a bit of a mess.
1: Well, anyway, I I think I spent way too much time talking about Send to Dropbox, but it is is a potential solution for that problem I was describing. Right. If you've got something, it seems to me the real good fit for this is if you're using a mobile device like an iPhone or an iPad and you've got something you want to turn into a text file on Dropbox, this is not a bad way to do that.
0: Right. Now, Paul was even talking about how he – has set up email rules in Hazel's to forward and redirect to his OmniFocus email address as well, to, so that he can create tasks associated with things. And that's, I guess, where I was getting into OmniFocus, where if there's actually is a task associated with something,
1: yeah. you can also so forward like, it to OmniFocus. Yeah, and that's that's really a good tip. So the Omni Mail drop address from iOS is a great is a great device that allows you to send an email to it, and it creates a task. Now, in order for this to work, you've got to be using OmniFocus with the OmniSync database. You can't use your own database. Basically, they're just injecting that email. They're making a version, injecting it into your stored database on the OmniSync server. But often, when I send emails to listeners or attorneys or other people I'm dealing with, I will blind copy it to my OmniSync Uh, my Omni mail drop address. So if Katie writes me back and says, Dave, um, you really stink at show notes. You need to help, you know, get a better show note system for me. I will write back and I say, Katie, you're right. As always, I bow to your, your intelligence on this issue. And then I'll blind copy that to the Omni mail drop. So then I'll get a task at it as well. At the same time. You ever tried that?
0: I well, I don't because I don't use send to Dropbox, but I forward stuff to the Omni Mail Drop all the time.
1: No, I wasn't talking about uh, the, uh, send to Dropbox. I'm saying just I send you an email. Oh, I send for, an email and, to anybody. And, and
0: BCC, the Omni Dropbox. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. The Omni Dropbox. You know what I mean. The Omni magic
1: thing. It's hard to get it. It's easy to get confused because you've got the Omni Sync database, which is kind of the overall thing they've got. And by the way, Omni Presence is out now. Killer. Have you, have you used it?
0: Yeah, we use that. And we're going to talk about that more later. So I don't give it away.
1: All right, sorry. Forget I said it. Yeah. Cut that out.
0: Yeah. Cut we're still we're still in our Dropbox section, David. Stay in the outline.
1: Okay, sorry.
0: Don't make me uh, get my pointy sword. So, so,
1: wow, we're gonna go there again, really. <laughs> uh, so there's the OmniSync database. There's the Omni Mail drop for OmniFocus, and now there's OmniPresence. So hang in there. Need a Bef- scorecard
0: before we get there. Pete wrote in, and we, you know, I knew this, but we just didn't say it in the show. And we we talk about Dropbox is great for so many things, but I don't really consider it a backup. It is kind of a backup of last resort, but I don't consider Dropbox to be a backup. I know a lot of people do, and I guess putting your items in Dropbox is better than nothing. I know you were saying, like, your niece uses Dropbox as her backup, right? Well,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, she has. I've hooked her up you know, with a time machine backup, and she has a hard drive because I bought it for her. But whenever I'm setting up a computer for somebody who I know isn't going to be that diligent about these types of things, I tell them to put any important documents in Dropbox. So it is kind of a a backup of last resort.
0: Yeah. But here's how that happens. So in the event of an emergency, i.e. the one that we had right before the show, where my kind of rule went awry and deleted all David's hard work on the outline, um, you can go to dropbox.com and navigate to the parent folder of wherever that deleted file that you are folder that you were in and you can click the show deleted items. And uh, it's a little trash icon up in the top by the search box if you're looking for it. And it will show you any folder that's been recently deleted. Now, I think it goes back 30 days or so. But if you pay for Dropbox, for an additional premium, you can pay for an even further way back delete. And I got to tell you, I was tremendously uh, popular when I saved all of my dad's data uh, using this trick. And it was it was kind of one of those perfect storms of bad things happening where he was migrating from an old computer to a new computer and he had just wiped his time machine back up to get it set up and running on the new computer. And it hadn't completed, And you know, before he realized, you know, he had already wiped his old computer and he, you know, didn't check and make sure that everything was fine. And he clicked some button in some dialog box and his Dropbox got nuked. And inside his Dropbox were all of his files because I had just, you know, created aliases. And he, when he was saving, he was really saving into his Dropbox. And, you know, he clicked some button that said, like, replace instead of link or something like that. I don't know. And everything was gone. And his old computer was wiped. And his time machine backup was wiped because it was starting anew. And it had, I think it, I think it had just backed up the empty folders. Um, so uh, he was freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. And I'm sitting here on my own computer. And I happen to know his password to his Dropbox account. And I was just like, yeah, it's fixed. They're coming back down. <laughs> I don't think you'd slept that night. I was just like, yeah, yeah, it's coming.
1: Was it like near your birthday?
0: It wasn't. That would have been a good. Too bad. It, no. I should have saved that. Maybe what I should do is I should delete the stuff in his Dropbox. And recover it. week before it your birthday. Right before my and, birthday.
1: And then recover it a day before your birthday. Yeah. Then maybe he'll order the real um, Klingon pointy sword for you. It might. Maybe the whole outfit you the whole outfit
0: <laughs> I don't know about that outfit
1: <laughs> the um the, a couple of things about Dropbox. so I think what you just dim- what you just explained is how it should work it's 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 the third parachute when you fall out of the airplane, the first parachute fails, and then maybe the second parachute fails, but you've got one like attached to your your boot or something, and that's the one that keeps you from pancaking it. Well, that's what happened here. your dad's time machine had failed and you were No, able it to had still...
0: failed. He had deleted it, but yes.
1: Oh, so he deleted. well, same thing. <laughs> yeah. So if you jump out of the plane and you just don't put the first parachute on, you might need that that third one. But but don't treat it as your first parachute is all I'm saying. And and we had a good example of why not right before the show started because uh, I had made some changes to the outline and Katie has a rule that she's working on.
0: It's it's I a work hate... in progress.
1: A hazel roll that basically overwrote all the work I did. <laughs> and, and and so yeah. Katie says, no problem. I'll go fix it. I'll just go in Dropbox and recover it. But it didn't delete the file. It, it overwrote the file. So if you go in Dropbox, there is no deleted file to recover. Wasn't that the problem?
0: That was the problem. Yeah. So but, but, how did you ultimately recover that? Well, you, it, it you was gotta, easy enough. It yeah.
1: was an Omni Outliner. And I just went into Omni Outliner, the versions you know that came in, I believe, in Lion. Uh, you know versioning, which Omni Outliner supports, and I just went to prior versions of the document, and I went back to the last time I'd been working on it and restored it, and I put it back in Dropbox,
0: and then my and rule promptly wrote over it again. Overwrote it again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then we then we realized if we saved it under a different name, that your your rule running amok would not get in the way. So
0: yeah, I'm I'm still working out the bugs on that rule. By the way,
1: yeah, that's okay. So. Next time let's let's put it in a. In a non-show folder. There you <laughs> Let's go. try it somewhere else. But Anyways. that just goes
0: to show is that Dropbox is not the be all in it all. It is not. I mean, it is the third parachute, but it is. Uh, it, it's not everything.
1: Yeah, if your dad had overwritten his files. So the, there were files there with the same name, but each one had one bit in it or or was empty, but it had the same names.
0: I couldn't have fixed that.
1: It would have been gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. Okay. Let's talk about. You want to talk about syncing? You want to? Um,
0: why don't talk we? About why don't we talk sponsor? about syncing? But before we do, why don't you talk about one password?
1: Yeah. So one password is is one of our oldest sponsors on the show, and you think that we've said everything we can about them, but we haven't because they just keep getting better. So one password makes this amazing software that does it takes care of the worry out of passwords for you and it seems like a week doesn't go by that I don't read some security fiasco where someone has been hacked. And quite often it's because they're using poor passwords or they're making one password and using it on repeated sites. So the whole premise behind the software is to give you a piece of software that will create really good, robust software passwords for you that you can use on the web and web applications and keep track of them for you. And the idea of one password is you only have to remember one password and that's the password to get into the application. It plugs into whatever browser you're using, if you're using Safari or Chrome, and it will, it has a plugin so you can go to any website and it'll just prompt you right there to fill in the password. For instance, when I go to maxbarkey.com and I log in to make changes to the website, um, Squarespace asks for my password and I just tap the little key in my in my toolbar, which is the one password icon, and it fills it in for me. It doesn't just do that, though. If I went to a new website, I could tap the key right in the browser, and it would create a a robust password for me, and it would remember it. That's just the beginning of what 1Password does. Once you've got it set up, it has applications for the iPad and for the iPhone and for Android and for Windows, and it shares all that stuff through Dropbox or iCloud. They have different types of syncing depending on what devices you use, and it allows you to share that data across. So when I'm not sitting in front of my computer but watching TV with my wife and she Uh, screams at me for not being able to get into her favorite website. I can just open my phone and show her the password right there. And they even came out with a new update for the iOS version that allows me to share that data across to her, which I think is a really great feature. Uh, the thing about 1Password that I really love, though, is the people behind it, they just keep making it better and better. Every version comes out and they come out with a new, amazing feature. I'm really just scratching the surface, but we haven't done that for a while. We haven't gone back to just kind of talk about why it's so great. And I recommend you go check it out. Now, if you're listening to me and you're saying, Dave, you've been talking it forever, I'm just not going to do it. This is the time to do it because right now it's half off. Now, we don't know how long that's going to run, but they've got a great sale going right now. So this is your chance to get in and check it out. If you've got, if you're already in, you know how great it is, but you know, somebody else who's not in do them a favor and hook them up with one password. I've done it with everyone in my family. You know, we get together for family events, but we're all kind of nerdy. So I pick a family member and teach them one password every time we get together. And now I've got all my family using these great passwords and I don't have to worry about getting that phone call about being hacked. It's just a great device. So you should go check it out. Like I said, they're a longtime sponsor and, and just great people. Uh, you can go to agile, uh, dot well, com is their main yep. website now. They used to be Agile Bits, but 1Password. They've got the full domain now, and you can get it in the iOS. You can get it on the Mac. You can get it wherever you need it.
0: All right. Thanks to OnePassword for, as always, supporting Mac Power users. So uh, let's stick with the uh, the syncing theme that we've got going on here. And now we can talk about um, kind of all this omni-syncing that we've gotten on. And Martin has a question that, you know, I can certainly relate to. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, this omni-focus mail drop, not mail drop, this omni-sync.
1: So you're confused, too, right?
0: I am confused, too. Yeah. But Omni's got all this amazing sync goodness going on. And they've got the, is it mail drop? Is that what it's called?
1: Yeah. Well, the, okay. let's well, like I said, the, the mail drop just works with OmniFocus. So if you send something to a magic email address, it gets added to your list.
0: Okay. So, but basically OmniFocus has got all this syncing going on that will keep OmniFocus in sync, or you can forward emails to the special magic email address and that will end up as an inbox item in your OmniFocus and it will end up with all of the text. in. so what Martin says is, you know, I live in OmniFocus like you, I've got all this stuff in it, and I keep it syncing. My problem is, is the more detail I put in my tasks, like if I'm, you know, creating, if I'm fording information into it or if I'm putting complex notes in these tasks, I'm concerned that it contains too much confidential information. I, I got the impression that um, Martin was a lawyer. Oh, you know what he says? Oh, he says, we as lawyers must confront the same problem. But he's probably in a field where, you know, this this could be a big deal as well. And he's just concerned about, you know, creating all of the syncing going on and it's going through somebody else's server and i get that you know we talk about that all the time that's one of the reasons why we like the transporters is that you know it's got your own cloud and you're not worried about it going through somebody else's server so he's not comfortable putting that data in Dropbox either. So how do we solve that problem? Because obviously we have that issue with some of the data that we put in there. Um, what he's looking at, and I don't know the answer to this, you might, is he's looking at buying one of the Synology disk stations and setting up his own WebDAB server that he would also use for all kinds of things, including syncing data to it to a private Dropbox. Do you know if anybody has successfully synced to a disk station using Omni Focus? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure if you email the Omni Support Ninjas, they can tell you the answer to that. But here's what I can tell you is that any web dev process will work. Um, and so I would suspect that if the Synology can support web dev, then then that will possibly work as well. But OS10 server, which is not expensive, you can go buy in the Mac App Store will will support WebDAV, and you can sync using your own server. If you've got like a Mac Mini or something like that running running at home or even just an always-on iMac that you've got OS X server running on, um, you can you can set that up and to use WebDAV and sync all of your own Omni stuff. And you may want to check out OmniPresence because that's kind of, again, using your own stuff, you can set OmniPresence up with WebDAV. Did you have a better thought on this?
1: Well, the, you know, the questions he's asking about, is about OmniFocus. So that's not going to work through OmniPresence. OmniPresence syncs other documents, but it's a lot of the same ideas. I talked to the people at Omni about this when they were first starting to do their own server stuff. And they're very conscious of the fact that not everybody wants their data in Omni's office in Seattle. So uh, they built all this stuff in. As far as I know, just about any web dev server should work with it. And I know that The people at Omni are very smart and have spent a lot of time thinking this through. So if you have Omni applications and you want to try your own private hosting of this stuff, I think they'd be happy to help you through and tell you what in their experience works best. Like I even know with some of the the recent Omni presence, and Omni presence is the new thing, which is a, a way for you to sync documents between Omni Outliner, Omni Graffle, and Omni Graph Sketcher. Uh, So it's just, it's kind of like a combination of Dropbox and iCloud. So you have a folder that's created on your Mac and you can put any files for those three applications in there. And then it automatically shows up on your iPad in a way kind of similar to iCloud because it will track changes. That's really not the right word. It will track between two different open versions. So if you highlight something on your iPad, it'll show up on your Mac like iCloud works. So, for both of those services, they've got private solutions. So just contact them and they'll guide you through. I, I'm rambling today. I don't know why.
0: Sinking okay. is,
1: sinking is hard to explain. So I'm sitting here looking at the ceiling as I talk through these things, but, it's not that hard uh, if you're going to use these Omni applications because they've already walked the path and they'll guide you. So so just send them a note if you want to do it privately. I know several people. I mean, I know some judges that are doing that. They're running their own private uh, WebDAV servers to sync Omni data. So it's, it's not impossible. I think it's probably pretty easy if you dig in on it. All right. You um, don't sound convinced.
0: No, I definitely think it can be done. I just don't yeah. think it's that hard. I think Omni's yeah, um, built it, so it's not that hard.
1: Yeah. And the OmniPresence thing is really cool. I, I don't want to understate that. If you haven't tried it yet, you, you do need an OmniSync account to just use their servers for it. You're, if you're going to do it you know, on your own server, you've got to go through those other hoops I just discussed. But if you've got an OmniSync account, just go in and enable it on your account and download the software, and it goes up in your menu bar. It's great. Why I say it's a combination of Dropbox and iCloud is because on your Mac, you literally pull files in and drag them out of a folder, and on your iPad, it just shows up.
0: All right, so we have yet another syncing question. This one's kind of unrelated, though. And let's see, who asked this one? Jay-Z writes, I wonder if it's the Jay-Z, you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm sure.
0: sure. I'm sure. Um asks about bookmark syncing i 'm not sure if we 've covered bookmark syncing before it kind of feels like we have, but maybe maybe we haven 't this is this is something that I had great expectations for, and then nothing really ever ended up materializing um, but I agree jay z has been struggling with his windows work computer and trying to figure out a way to sync up bookmarks um, and just hasn 't found a good solution and i 'll tell you i really haven 't either um, what i what I use is i use a product well What I use first and foremost, but this isn't going to help you on your Windows PC at work, and this was the problem that I had, is first and foremost, I use bookmark syncing through iCloud. Safari is my main web browser, and um, I use bookmark syncing because that syncs across all my iOS devices, and I need that because... Especially on iOS devices, Safari is my default browser. This was not a problem when, as you may recall from the web browser show a couple, maybe a year or so ago, um, I had been using for a long time, I'd been using Chrome as my main browser. And when I was using Chrome as my main browser, which of course has counter – in fact, Chrome is still my favorite browser when I use the PC – um, Chrome bookmarks thinking just is kind of built in and just works across the Mac, across the PC, as long as you're signed in with your Google account. And there is a version of Chrome um, for iOS, but of course it's not the default browser and it's not, you know, as integrated and built into the operating system. So how, how do you deal with this? What, w- the solution that I have come up with is a product called XMarks. And Xmarks has been out for a while. It was bought out a, more than a year now, a couple of years ago, probably, um, by the folks who did LastPass. And I had such high hopes that when they bought out Marks that they would really do something with it. I mean, I get, it didn't die. And so that was good because at one point Xmarks was on the chopping pot block and it was going to die. But I'm really not aware of any major updates that have happened to Marks. And I have had off and on problems with with xmarks and safari specifically so what i do is safari is my main browser of choice i have xmarks which is running as a system preference pane on my mac mini server and i find it every now and then i'll have to go in and restart it or turn it off and turn it back on or i'll find that it stopped syncing so it's a still a little bit wonky because um, it hasn't been updated in so long but for the most part it works and then what I do is I also have XMarks running on my PC at work. And you can either do that um, usually via browser extension on your various PC browsers. And so as long as my Safari bookmarks are all syncing, that Safari bookmark's going to sync on my Mac Mini at home. And then Xmarks is going to sync that up with XMarks. And then the XMark browser extension is going to keep that synced up with whatever I need on my PC.
1: <sighs> it's tough making that jump from the Mac operating system to PC. Sometimes it used to be a lot tougher, but <laughs> I think bookmarks is one place. Uh, one thing I was thinking about was Pinboard. You know, Pinboard's pretty cool, and it's just one site. So if you have a Pinboard account, you could save your favorite bookmarks there, and just go to Pinboard on your work PC, and then go to Pinboard on your Mac. It's not really a great solution, but it's an option.
0: Yeah, I mean I think one of the best solutions is to use Chrome, but that's not a great solution for iOS. If yeah. it if it wasn't for so much iOS use, I'd probably be using Chrome as my main browser. Especially if I was a bigger slider. I'm not I don't slide as much now that I put my Mac mini in my office at work. JC, what you need to do is you need to get a Mac mini and take it to work. That solves all your problems.
1: <laughs> yeah, just spend a thousand bucks on another computer, then your bookmarks will work fine.
0: Problem solved. Solves the, so many more problems than that.
1: The, yeah. I it's really nice having the bookmarks sync. I don't have much problem with them syncing through iCloud, just sticking with the Mac and Oh Safari. yeah, iCloud
0: iCloud works great.
1: And it's nice because a lot of times I'll have little bookmarklets or, or special things I want to work on iOS. Like lately, I've been playing with Pocket, and I've I've, so I added that, then it just shows up on my phone. So that's kind of nice.
0: Have you noticed it's a little easier to play with Pocket now that Marco doesn't own Instapaper?
1: You know, that's exactly what happened. It is. (laughs) Now, I've always been a fan of Instapaper, and then I got thinking, well, I got to try this out. So, um, and I I really hadn't thought about it till after he sold Instapaper. And then, you know, I think as a, a, a function of that, people started writing about the other stuff they were using and I haven't really decided yet. I'm still using both. But there are things I definitely like about Pocket. I think I talked last week about the way I've been using a Pocket um tags to automate some of my work.
0: Mm, I don't know that you did.
1: So, if you tag a file, you can uh, if this then that can see those tagged files. So, if I tag something as post then I'll, it'll send oh, yeah. a mail to my own email drop and then i can create something if i tag it as something else i can have it do something else with it so it's it's kind of interesting
0: okay i do remember that well let's let's kind of keep on that um that automation kind of theme and and of course we'll we'll stay with OmniFocus. this this the with this you know you got me if this then that yeah and jared wrote in and i'm going to mispronounce this How, is that ca- ca- cap capto
1: yeah, sure. That? Uh oh, it's a Captio, I think.
0: Captio. C A P T I O to Omnifocus via Launch Center Pro. Like that's not a mouthful. So, um I know a little bit about Captio. It's it's an application where you can um, you know, quick send off emails to yourself. And so you can get quick items in there to Omni Mail drop. And so you basically what well, what you it's it's a it's a quick way to send yourself um, things to do, but you're using your inbox as your to-do list. I mean, that's what it's designed for. And it makes me cringe because you're sending yourself a slew of emails and then you're using your inbox as your to-do list, which we don't like to use. So what you do instead is, um, instead of setting the Captio email address as your email address, you set the email address as the OmniFocus mail drop email address. So if you've got 10 to 15 items that you just need to punch into OmniFocus real quick, boom, you can do that. And to add bonus nerd points to it, using Launch Center Pro, which we talked about in our iOS automation episode, you can um, do that to compose a quick message and then send it via CAPTIO.
1: Yeah, there's a couple options for this. You know, ever since Maildrop showed up, everybody's coming up with great ideas for ways to use automated mail services to help you know, quicken up their, their capture. And I don't remember who it was that wrote in. I don't have it in the notes here, but somebody wrote in and said, they do it all in drafts, which is to me a great place to do it because it's already in my doc and they create the task in drafts. I, I, I feel really bad. I don't have the person's name written down, but, and, and I had said, well, why would you do that? Why don't you just open on me, focus and add it there. And he made the point, well, you're already in drafts working, which I often am. And if you, if you if you create it in drafts, and you can send it to OmniFocus. And so that's the next point of contention I had. I said, well, so you can use the function in drafts to send it to a new task list in OmniFocus. And he wrote me back and said, no, Dave, you're still screwed up. Instead of doing that, have drafts send an email to your Omni mail drop. And you're thinking, OK, well, why would I want to send it out to the internet and then back to my database when I'm already on my iPhone and I can have it open iPhone in just a second. But the point he made, and I'm going to write this up. Uh, the point he made was that you can send the mail in the background in drafts, so that you would never be leave Zach, the application. Who's
0: next in our outline? Who wrote to you Zach. about
1: this? Okay, it was Zach. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I had yeah, the note close, so I didn't see expend it.
0: Spend the little outline.
1: Yeah. So Zach, thank you, Zach. I thought that was, that made a lot of sense to me because you can set it up in drafts. So you use the send to OmniFocus function that you create that creates this email to your magical mail drop address and have it send it in the background and delete the notes. So you either speak into drafts or tap out a quick task item, hit the button, it emails that off to OmniFocus in the background and you're moving on to your next draft. You don't have to stop, you don't have to watch the app switch. It's just really fast. And I've been using it that way and I really dig it.
0: Yeah. I, I that made a lot of sense to me. One of the things that that I had been doing in the past is when I was doing quick to do items and I was just kind of doing a mind dump, I would do them in drafts. And there's the draft send to reminders feature. And then once you get it in reminders, you can pull it up in OmniFocus. But Zach's absolutely right that that takes a couple of extra steps because you send it to reminders. Okay, you've got a list of things in reminders, but then you have to launch OmniFocus to get them in there. And that's not bad. That's not horrible. I mean, that works fine if it's just a list of like grocery items or something.
1: Except when you get old like me, and you forget the three seconds it takes to switch back. You know, it's gone. It's just gone. I don't. I'll. I'll never get it back. So if if I can get it. What?
0: Sorry, nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if I can send it off that quickly and move on to the next, I'm, I'm happy. Um, uh, another cool automation trick, and I wrote this up at the website, and I got a, a listener sent this to me. Now, when you say the
0: website, would you mean that MaxSparky.com website?
1: Yeah, okay. that one. Okay. Uh, a listener to the show sent this in, and it was a blogger in Poland. and I I'm going to stop and look his name up after I explain it. And he was talking about ways to add automation to your Mac from your iPhone and came up with this great idea. So you're going to have to bear with me. This is going to involve uh, four apps (laughs) to make this happen. Okay, So it starts – well, in fact, I'm going to back up the – starting with drafts. So in drafts, let's say you write a note and you put in it MB sleep for MacBook sleep and you have it save that to a Dropbox text file. So I've explained that before in the iOS automation show how drafts can do that. So you write MB sleep and then suddenly a text file shows up in Dropbox on your Mac and everything else attached to Dropbox that says MB sleep. Then the next piece of it is you have Hazel on your Mac looking for a text file in that folder that says inside of it mb sleep. And if it does, you have it run an apple script cuz Hazel can do that. And there's a little three-line apple script to put your Mac to sleep. So think about that for a minute. You're sitting on your phone, and the reason I got thinking about this was because I was in a mediation one day and I had all this important information on my screen and the mediator comes in to say, hey, "Dave, you got to come out and talk to me for a minute." So I walk out of the room, I'm thinking, you know, I was holy you know what? I just walked out of there with all that information on my screen, and I wanted to sleep my screen when I was at the other end of the building, and I couldn't. But so I, so I made this thing. So you type "mb you, sleep." You didn't just and, go
0: running back in the room and shut the screen. Excuse me.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't because it, it was okay. But it could have been bad if somebody else was in the room who wasn't. Then I would have run back. But anyway, so I, I type "mb sleep" in drafts, and now drafts sends that up to Dropbox. Hazel sees it. Fires off the Apple script and puts the Mac to sleep. And this is where it gets even better. Now I'm going to back up. Rather than opening up drafts and typing MB sleep and then activating the save to Dropbox action, what if you could just open Launch Center Pro and tap a button and that would happen? And there's a command to do that because Launch Center Pro and drafts are working together so well, there's a, it's basically a URL scheme that opens drafts, cr- writes the words "mb be sleep, and then sends it to Dropbox without you doing anything at all in drafts. I wrote it up in Mac Sparky. Go check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes.
0: Yeah. So the only thing is your Mac, the, because this all kind of the magic works th- through Dropbox and then Hazel, there's a lot of magic going on here. Yeah. Your Mac has to be on a network.
1: It has to be on the internet.
0: Yeah, it has to be on the internet for this tour.
1: Yeah. How often is it not on the internet?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends. depends on whose yeah. office you're at.
1: The, um, yeah. the uh, It's not just sleep, though. You could have it shut down. You could have, you know, there's all kinds of things. you. Could, I mean, just think about this. You can run a Apple script remotely. And just think about all the things you can do with an Apple script. And that's what happens.
0: Think of all the bad. Oh, oh. Never mind. I won't say that. You could like nuke your hard drive. You could like set terminal command to Why delete you
1: gotta everything. go there, Katie? Secure
0: delete everything. I mean like if the feds are running in or something. <laughs> you could be like boom.
1: Katie, do you have like magnets in your door jams?
0: <laughs> no, but I'm like
1: thinking about it. Super magnets.
0: You could you could issue, you could issue the SST. terminal command to to secure erase your uh, secure erase your home directory.
1: You have something to hide, Katie. <laughs> all right. So anyway, that that I thought was kind of a cool automation trick. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain audibly on the show, but if you go check out that post, you'll figure it out. And I've got all the commands in there, so you can walk. And walk they'll, right they'll it. never
0: suspect you're doing it because you're just standing there politely cooperating with your phone in your hand.
1: Well, I've set it up for both my, I set it up for my laptop to put it to sleep. And I set up for my, for my iMac at home to shut it down. So because sometimes like we go out of town or for some reason I, I want to shut it down. I can do that now with the one button on, One center pro. Very ah, fun.
0: Only you could turn it back on. Once you kind shut of, it down, you're toast.
1: Yeah, it makes you feel powerful though. Yeah. Oh, you All could, you could, you could hand. put
0: this on your kids' machines. Yeah, I could And be like, we're done. Shut down. Locked. Okay. QR right.
1: codes. Uh, yeah, the next one was another uh, hint, I believe, sent to us. And a listener uses QR codes. We talked about URL schemes in our automation show. And so this listener made QR codes because you can make a QR code that goes to a website. And URL schemes are nothing more than a website. So if you have the URL scheme to create a new task in OmniFocus, it says buy more batteries. And then you print out this QR code and you stick it on the inside of your pantry door where you keep the batteries. And if you go in there and you see running low on batteries, you can open any one of the mini QR code reading apps on your, on your iPhone. I use Red Laser and zap that QR code, and it will add the task to OmniFocus, buy new batteries. I thought that was pretty clever.
0: It is. Are you going to start QR coding your entire house? Like you're going to put on the toothpaste? I, I on was the middle, thinking can... about it.
1: I was thinking about. It. I mean, there's a there's a nexus here where you get past you know being productive and just being nerdy. You've you've got to figure that out. But there are certain things that this would make sense for. Okay.
0: All right, before we get. I think
1: you're judging me a lot today, Katie. No, I can feel it.
0: People like it when I'm more vocal. And so, you know, I'm just giving the people what they want.
1: I have feelings too, you know.
0: On that note, let's take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor for this episode, and that is Clarify. And I have just found so many uses for Clarify since – you know, I've, I've used this product for a while, and I've also used their sister product, ScreenSteps. ScreenSteps was actually my first introduction to it. But, you know, I have, a, I have an Apple user group that I run here in town and i will say that the users in the in the apple user group are perhaps a little more novice than your typical mac power user listener but that's okay we all we all got to start somewhere right and i'll find that in my user group i'm getting the same types of questions you know over and over and over again like one of the ones that i got you know was you know how how do i set up air sh- uh, sharing uh, i'm sorry um you know uh, air, air air airplay you know where I want to mirror something to my Apple TV, and I must have gotten that like we, we've been doing a series on Apple TVs recently. And I must have gotten that question like four or five times. And um, other questions that I've got recently is we have an email list serve, and if people want to send all of those emails to go to a particular folder as opposed to going into their inbox, how do I set up an Apple Mail rule so that folders from a particular you know sender always go to a particular or emails from a particular sender always go to a particular folder. I mean, those those are things that, you know, you or I could probably rattle off very quickly, you know, go to this, click this, go to this. But, you know, for someone who's not as comfortable with this kind of technology, that can be a little intimidating. So Clarify has been a great tool for creating tutorials. Um, it started out mainly for the folks in my Mac user group, but I've been posting them up on katiefloyd.me, and they've been getting a fair amount of traffic. And they're fairly novice, and I think people are just, you know, Googling for something and are finding these as answers. And I'm getting a quite a bit of, of feedback from people of, you know, thank you. I didn't know how to do this and this helped. You know, I did one recently on something as simple as how to set up an email signature on your iPhone. Because how many times do you get an email address, an email from somebody that just says, sent from my iPhone? and you know you may think well maybe that's because they're so vain and they want you to know that they have an iPhone or maybe it's just because they don't know any better and they don't know how that you can set up or how to set up an email signature for their iPhone and it is really simple using clarify to go in and make documentation to show step by step this is how you do it so uh, if i'm taking pictures of my iPhone what i'll do is i'll use um i'll use that reflector app to pull up the iPhone screen uh, you know, type a little introduction I go through the steps using Clarify I take pictures of each step of the way I can add arrows, I can add annotations I can add little number bubbles if a step has multiple steps, you know, step one click here step two fill in this information and it doesn't take long, I mean the one that I did on, on how to create your email signature probably took me less than 10 minutes to create and then what's great about Clarify is it allows you multiple ways that you can share this information for somebody um, you can publish it to their web service, clarify-it. And then you can copy that HTML. And what I do is I copy the HTML and paste it up into katiefloyd.me. And it is beautifully formatted. It's going to take on whatever it, you know attributes and CSS that I've, I'm using on my space template. So it just absolutely beautifully fl- fits right in and blends into my website. Or you can export it as a PDF and ha- give PDF handouts to people or publish the PDF on your site. Or you can save it to Evernote. I mean, they're just or you can email it some, to somebody. There are just countless ways that you can create these documents and share them with people and really make awesome documentation.
1: Yeah. It's like if you've got one person in your office that does something on the computer that nobody else knows how to do, sit down with that person with Clarify and document it because you don't know when that person's not going to be there.
0: So you can find more information at clarify-it.com or there's a link in our show notes to clarify. Uh, clarify for Mac is 29.95, there's also a Windows version available for that same price. You can get it in the Mac App Store or there's a cross-platform license if you use it on both platforms for only 39.99. And we want to say thanks to the folks at Clarify for supporting Mac power users.
1: So where were we? I, guess we, we, we've I gone think we're crazy done with our with automation,
0: our syncing and automation. Yeah, so maybe move on to um, audio and video. Yeah, okay.
1: John John wrote in, and uh, I had made a mention that I've been switching to Instacast lately because they've got a Mac app, and I really like the ability to listen to podcasts on my Mac and then stop, and then jump in the car and open my phone and have it continue where I left off.
0: And that and, just, by the way, that just. Um, that app is now out of beta, right?
1: Yeah, and I bought a version. I'm gonna. I'm sticking with it, and I'm. I'm happy enough with it on iOS. I before I use Downcast. But I
0: tell you, I am. I I tried it. I tried Instacast, and I still personally prefer Downcast. I find that it's got more tweaking and more customizations.
1: I probably would if I am. Um, didn't have this Mac syncing feature because that's just so useful to me. Like even just like at the end of the day at at the office, when I'm just kind of going through busy work, I'll turn a podcast on and listen to it on my Mac while I'm sitting there, you know, filing things. And this is really nice. So, but John wrote in and said, Hey, you don't need Instacast. He uses air server, which he bought in that Mac heist nano bundle, which we talked about last month.
0: So a lot of people may have it and not even realize
1: yeah, so he uses AirServer to send it from his phone to his speakers, and he's just happy with that, which makes sense. But I still like Instacast. I'm good.
0: And I'll tell you, um, the Downcast developer has announced that he's in work on a Mac app, too. It's not embedded yeah, yet, but, but he's working on it.
1: I suspect that was a, a pretty <laughs> easy decision to make.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I'll probably end up buying that one when it comes out, too. I can't help myself.
0: Yeah. Um, There's another app that people have mentioned um, by the folks at Rogue Amoeba, and it is Airfoil. And that will allow you to take things and stream it kind of the other way. It will allow you to take things from your Mac and stream it out to your, if you use Airfoil speakers on your iPhone, it will allow you to stream things to your iPhone, or it will allow you to stream audio that doesn't normally support AirPlay. And it will allow you to stream it to, you know, if you want to grab audio from, you know, pick an app that doesn't normally support AirPlay and stream it somewhere else.
1: Yep. Or you could just buy Instacast on your Mac.
0: Well, I'm just saying if you didn't want to listen to Instacast, if you.
1: Yeah, you know. well, I agree. And and all Instacast does is podcasts. These other things allow you to stream anything. Right. OK, uh, iTunes match and tagging. We heard from Stuart, who had, who's a video editor, and he had a kind of interesting workflow where he, he uses a genre field for some, some interesting tasks like production and samples. Uh, that way he can create smart playlists to allow him to, to hear those samples on the go. I, I'm taking a very long email and making it very short.
0: That was really short.
1: One of the points he had made was, you know, he'd like to use Text Expander to create those. I don't really know that you need to, though, because when you're in the information pane, the info pane in iTunes, if you start typing a genre name, it autofills for you with with the names you've already used. And I've got a, a bunch of custom ones, like Christmas music I always call Yule because it just makes me feel cool. And uh, so if I type capital Y-U, it automatically fills. In fact, I just cap type capital Y, it fills in Yule for me. So it's not pre-populated. It, it relies on whatever you've, you've added before. Yeah. And just to say one more time, if you're using genres in iTunes, it's a huge help, and don't make too many of them.
0: Um, and, you know, Stuart was actually mentioned that this can actually kind of be a way to, you know, another way of tagging your music. Yeah. Because it's just one yeah. more thing. As long as you kind of keep track of what your genres are
1: iTunes will take whatever data you throw at it. Yeah. Do you star I, your music, Katie? Do you star I do. It? Like four I do. stars, yeah. five stars.
0: Yeah.
1: I, yeah, but I'm, I I'm, back not, f-
0: I'm not real. I, I, don't, I don't quite know what the stars mean, though. Five are things that I really like. Four are things that I like. Three are things that are good.
1: One are things I want to kill from my library. Uh, yeah, well, see,
0: if there's anything I want to kill from my library, I just kill it from my library.
1: Yeah, but if you're on the road... And suddenly Barry Manilow shows up on your iPod. You just one star that bad boy. And when you get back to your, your Mac, see, you why, look at one star. Why,
0: why do you have Barry Manilow on your iPod? Like if
1: I put like a random thing it, on there.
0: See, like if, in my opinion, if it's, if it's so bad that you don't want it, why don't you just delete it?
1: Because we've got, there's more than one person in my house using iTunes.
0: Well, maybe Barry Manilow is a five star song for them.
1: It doesn't matter. It doesn't so matter. So you just it's go back going, and forth
0: with these Star Wars.
1: Oh, no, no. I'm the only one who stars things and I don't care who likes Barry Manilow. It's not going to reside on my hard drive. Okay. It's just not going to happen. I think yeah. I'm going to get a lot of email about that.
0: Yeah. Email David. Tyler wrote in about keeping movies out of your iTunes library because we've talked in a couple of iTunes episodes about You know, the trying to keep your iTunes library organized, and the pros, you know, the the positive things that come with keeping your iTunes library organized, and how to consolidate your library, and make sure that you don't have all these kind of stray and random files everywhere on your hard drive, because that's a that's a good way that you can end up with duplicates and um, end up with you know a lot of extra um, files on your Mac that are you know messing with your space. But um, Tyler was you know saying you know if you've got like a smaller hard drive, if you've got an SSD, if you've got a MacBook Air. Sometimes I want to add movies to my library, but I don't want them on my actual Max hard drive. Maybe I want to keep my movie library on an external hard drive. Maybe I want to keep it on something like a Drobo or a network-attached storage drive or something like that. Um, and this is really useful for someone, you know, like me who has limited hard drive space. But, yet I still want to keep my music on my hard drive because that's stuff that I use all the time. So there are a couple of ways that you can handle this. If you go to the library in your iTunes settings, um, you you can click on iTunes and then go to Preferences and Advanced and uncheck the Add Files to iTunes Media Folder when adding to library option. And then just go ahead and add those items from your external drive and maybe, you know, recheck it when you're done. But I think if you actually drag those items in, so I prefer personally to keep that on because I like keeping my iTunes folder organized. And for those one-off items or movies that I specifically don't want added to my iTunes library that I want to manually drag in, I believe if you drag them in and hold down, I want to say it's the option key, but I don't have a movie right now that I can check it with. It's
1: one of those options. It's usually the option key.
0: It's usually the option key. It might be command or control, but I'm pretty sure it's the option key. But instead of adding it to your library, you'll you'll see the icon change and it will just link it to your library. So, it will give you the um, you know, it'll it'll put it in there, but if that external hard drive that holds that resource is not attached or you won't be able to do anything with it.
1: So, a, a it friend, links it
0: to your library if that makes sense.
1: A friend told me that uh, her MacBook Air, her 11-inch MacBook Air was hacked. I said, well, let me yeah. see it. And it was 99.9% full. So she thought it was hacked, but it just wasn't working because there was no room on her. hard drive. I don't even know how it was possible to get the drive that full. But you know, um,
0: my, um, my law partner's iPad got a virus. Oh, really? It did.
1: That, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I, and I told her, she was convinced. She came in, my iPad has a virus. And I just said, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. I said, no, it doesn't. It does. I said well then you know what you are a first. You are the very first one. I must
1: so be. So what was it?
0: Her kid had got a hold of the iPad and um, same problem they had they had taken her iPad and taken a whole bunch of FaceTime movies of the, not FaceTime but movies of themselves with the camera. And so they had completely just loaded up. they had just yeah. completely loaded up her iPad with movies of them making silly faces and doing silly things.
1: Yeah, that's and, fun when you're a kid. Yeah, but or, she had or forty five.
0: Yeah, but she had no idea that she had zero free space on her iPad and it was just horribly slow. No, she had a virus. I guess she could consider that a virus.
1: So is it potpourri or potpourri? Potpourri. I always call it potpourri. I think that's what this show is. This is a potpourri of Mac and iOS tips and hints.
0: Except it's not potpourri, but okay.
1: Pot- potpourri. Let's move on to writing. We we always get a lot of people writing about writing, and we get a lot of people writing about telling us to stop talking about writing. But we we have a couple tips here that I thought were worth repeating. Jeremy, uh, the uh, the very nice British gentleman who uh, came on our 100th episode and talked about his love of Notability, uh, says that the love affair is over. He still likes Notability, but he's replaced it with NotebooksApp.com which you can find at notebooksapp.com. It's called Notebooks, and it is a very nice-looking uh, writing notebook app, so go check that out. But what really threw me from his email was he said he's having trouble with the the whole NV-Alt and write-room Dropbox syncing problem, which is exactly what I use, and he says it's really slow, and I'm thinking, man, I'm an edge case, and it works fine for me. I think I've got something like a 1,000 notes in it, well, Jeremy's got 14,000 notes that he's syncing through NVALT, Dropbox, and Write Room, and he is having trouble. And uh, I suspect that problem is a memory issue with the iPad because it's Write Room where he's having trouble. I don't think mm-hmm. it's don't one think... of those
0: viruses.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, just tracking 14,000 different files, I don't think any app is going to handle that well. So Jeremy's going to need to delete something or, or archive something or come up with a new strategy. Um, we had several people write in. In fact, this is kind of an ongoing theme every time I mention ByWord because I use it so often, it just comes out of my mouth. But there's another app, which I try to mention, but I don't think I do enough, which is called iAnnotate, which I think is very similar to ByWord, but different. I mean, it's got a different aesthetic to it. Uh, It does use iCloud and Dropbox syncing and... It's a, it's a nice, simple uh, text editor that's a really great solution. And, and there are some people who really love it and I think are upset with me for not mentioning it enough. I say go check it out because I think it is, in a lot of ways, just as good, maybe even better than ByWord. But ByWord scratches my itch. So, so check out Iannotate if, uh, if you are still in the market for a simple text editor.
0: And we had a lot of people um, write to us about Circus Pony's Notebook. And this is an app that I've downloaded and I've used at one point, but maybe I need to to go back and and look at it more seriously. I mean, Dave wrote in and said, I've, I've tried them all. I've tried Notability, not- Notability, Penultimate, Evernote, and used them each for a long time. But, uh, you know, they all kind of have functions that I like, but put together, they're all Notebook. And, yeah, you know, it can do tasks. It can do outlining. It can do indexing. It can do sketching. It can do handwriting. It can do shapes. It can do recording. It can index your notes. It syncs to the Mac via Dropbox. Um, I, I really need to get back into Circus Pony's Notebooks. I, apparently, it also does pdf annotation that's something new that I didn't realize it it did but
1: the um the developer is Jason and he's excellent, I think, yeah, I think it's just a one man operation or he has a little help and one of the things that happened was he came out with an iPad app, and it is as far as I know one hundred percent feature compliant with the mac app he didn't leave anything out, so it's got all this great stuff you can do on the ipad and at the beginning, it was a little you know it was a little crashy when he first released it. And I think it got a bad rep for that. And since then, of course he's made it really awesome. And I need to go back and look at it too. I used to use notebook years and years ago. I mean, six or seven years ago. I don't know how long ago this app has been around for a long time. And for a long time, it was one of the only solutions like this that existed on the Mac. And, and now there's all these others, but it's definitely worth checking out. And I like the way that he did the, the iPad app that, is so feature compliant. So if you make a really rich notebook on your Mac, you automatically have it on your iPad. I'm aware of through, uh, one of the news groups I'm in is called Milo max and law offices. And it's a lot of attorneys who use max and they go in there, by the way, if you're a legal professional, you should be a member of that group. Uh, it's a Google group. Anyway, uh, I know there's attorneys on there who brag about running their whole trial through a notebook, notebook, circus ponies, notebook. So, it's definitely worth checking out,
0: yeah, and you know I've been talking about day one and i'm I'm using that for you know professional journaling, but we had someone who his name I didn't catch, and I apologize um mentioned that one of our audience members at at Macworld mentioned v journal, which is an Evernote journal, and it's pretty cheap it's ninety nine cents and um i I think it's actually got a an ad supported version the ad the ad free version is ninety nine cents and um that he says that seems to work great for him. And it kind of integrates with Evernote and maybe that's something that I should check out too. Although I've been pretty happy with my day one system.
1: Yeah. One of the comments he made in the emails, he keeps track of the funny things his kids say as they grow up and man, I wish I had done that. Yeah. Or, or like, um, uh, I think Brett Kelly, you know, the ever, the Evernote guy, I believe he actually records kids saying funny things and puts it in Evernote.
0: Yeah, and a, a lot of people are um, are you know taking pictures of all their kids' artwork and all their kids' creations just because it's so difficult to keep all that stuff. Yeah, you can't keep everything.
1: I think that elementary school teachers hate the planet. I'm pretty sure.
0: Uh, oh yeah, okay.
1: They they send so so much stuff home,
0: <laughs> and your kids go, you
1: can't get rid of it. Yeah. Did did I ever tell the story? I must've told the story in the show about how I threw away something from my daughter and it ended up in the gutter.
0: Oh yeah, you did. That's bad, bad. I think
1: she still remembers it. She's just waiting to use that on me.
0: Oh, I always bring out like the one day that my mom forgot me and left me at school. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, text expander touch. We, uh, we talked about it in an ad spot. Uh, this isn't an ad spot, but it's out now. So if you're waiting, go check it out. And I did a, a fun video on it. It's only like six minutes, and it gives you all the essentials. So we'll put a link in the show notes. But that's another nice uh, thing for writing. I really like having the fill-in snippets on my iPhone.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of ad spots, do you want to take a minute and tell us about Linda?
1: Yes, I do. You know, my wife has become a huge com fan.
0: Yeah, Awesome.
1: Yeah, she's really getting into it. She everything she wants to learn about computers, despite the fact that her husband writes books and will sit down and teach her anything, um, she would prefer to go to Linda or Don McAllister. That one makes of those sense. Two. But anyway, so what do you want to learn? Whatever it is, you can learn at lynda.com. It's an online learning company with more than 1,800 video courses that teach you software, creative, and business skills. In fact, I just saw a tweet from a listener who has watched five hours of lynda.com teaching on regular expressions. and Awesome. I was kinda, awesome. I'm kind of jealous. I'm like, I need more time because I want to learn regular expressions, and they've got a really great course on it. Um, membership starts at $25 a month and provides unlimited 24 seven access to top quality video courses taught by expert instructors with real world experience. Learn anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace from bite-sized tutorials to comprehensive courses and things like computer skills, web design, graphic design, personal development, business skills, photography, audio and video, 3d and animation, whatever it is, you can learn it. Uh, Sharpen your skills, stay current with the modern software and best practices. With new courses added every week, the lynda.com library keeps pace with today's fast-changing technical and software skills. You can save and prioritize courses in your queue for whenever you're ready to watch, and even create playlists of courses on skills you're interested in learning. Lynda makes it easy to learn on the go with their optimized mobile site or free iPhone and iPad apps for members. So go try it at lynda.com for seven days by visiting lynda.com Mac power users or lynda.com slash MPU. Definitely go to that link because it makes us look like we're awesome and we like that. Uh, And I'll give you my tip. I watch lynda.com courses on the treadmill. That's the place, you know, put it on a decent pace, uh, set up the iPad, plug in the headphones and learn something while you do some exercise. That's
0: a good idea. You know, I was just thinking um, my brother's a, middle school teacher. And so I've been hanging out with a bunch of middle school teachers recently through, through him. And they're all kind of looking for what am I going to do this summer? Cause they've all got the next three months off. And, you know, I suggested, you know, this is, you know, some of them are joining, you know, basketball league. Some of them are doing summer school. The summer school session has really been cut short here with, with budget cuts and things like that. And I was like, well, you know, one of them in particular, Can come to me with needing some computer help, and I'd recommend it. You know, Lynda.com. You know, for twenty-five bucks, you're going to be out of school for the next three months. That's seventy-five bucks, and and you can you know up your game by either figuring out how to do web design, or up your computer skills, or figuring out um, how to do better presentations. You know, things that are going to give you better skills both in and out of the classroom. Um, You know, it's it's yeah. You basically go to school for free on Lynda.com, or close to free for for the next. Three months.
1: I've got a friend who graduated college and cannot get a job. The The degree she has, just there's no jobs out there. And she uh, came over the house and spent an afternoon watching lynda.com web design stuff. And she's getting interested in doing that. So I suspect she's going to get an account so she can.
0: Yeah. So just she's crank basically the- going back to school on lynda.com. I mean, not, yeah. I mean, it's not a credit or anything like that. But, you know, she's, that's definitely something that she can put on a resume and say, hey, I, I've taken so many hours with the courses on web design or graphic design, and I'm familiar with this, 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 and this. I have skills. I can do this. That's,
1: okay. Yeah. So um, go check out lynda.com. Once again, it's lynda.com slash MPU or lynda.com slash Mac Power Users. And if you've got some time on your hands, this is a great investment.
0: Yeah. Hey, and so thanks, te- Linda. Yeah. Thank you, Linda, for supporting the show. Um, you know, we, we m- talked about uh, writing, but before we get too far away from writing, we should just mention. Um, that Mike Rohde's sketch writing font is now available
1: Yes, for people yes. who
0: want to write an even more awesome font.
1: Yeah. So Mike did the sketch noting book. We had him on, I forget what show it was, but, um, but um, we'll get um, it in the notes
0: JT, and, uh,
1: Mike's a really nice guy and he kind of revolutionized note taking with the sketch noting idea. And he wanted to use his handwriting for the entire book. And rather than have to sit it out there and pencil out the whole book, they created a font and now you can buy it. And I've been using it today. Interestingly today, I've been using it in my dragon dictate window and it's kind of fun seeing Mike's handwriting show up as I dictate.
0: Better his than mine.
1: (laughs) Definitely better than mine.
0: Um, All right. All right. This is a question that came in from Twitter. And I'm paraphrasing, but it says, You guys pound backup best practices. I mean, I think we've done 42 shows now on backup, I think. Um, but what about archiving? Because we've always said an archive is not a backup. Archiving is different from backup, but we never really talked about what archiving is or how we do it.
1: Okay, so what is archiving, Katie? I
0: don't know what's archiving. No. Um, For me, I mean, archiving is basically, and I think it's even more important in, again, this SSD world that we live in, is taking this data off of your main computer, off of your everyday computer, and putting it more into long-term storage. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, traditionally, it was when you took a DVD. You save it to the floppy. Or a CD uh, back in those days, and you would archive your old pictures or your music or whatever, and you'd stick it in a corner somewhere. And a lot of people, that was all they had for backup. And as we've said in the show, a real backup is going to back up the entire file system, which allows you to get up and running very quickly. Whereas an archive to me is a little portion of that data that you're putting into cold storage uh, to a certain extent um, I do that with my aperture library because I've got extra hard drives you know as I upgrade and put new hard drives in the old ones don't necessarily die and I always just start putting copies of the aperture library on that I'm kind of manic about it anytime I have extra space on some other drive and I, so I've got all these little copies of the of the library all over the house See, and that's even not me at a my little house. bit crazy well, um, it's 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 okay, though, because I would be so devastated if I lost those pictures. So it just feels good knowing that they're all over the place.
0: Yeah. I, I like to be a little more structured in my archiving. I mean, things that I have archived, for example, is I have all of the raw fo- – a couple of years ago, I have a lot of raw footage archived and a lot of raw video footage. And a couple of years ago, we took all of our home movies and, um, you know – put them digitize them. So I have the original MOV files, the original raw footage, then I have the compressed files and then I have the edited files and all that stuff. But I always want to keep that original raw footage so I can always go back to it at some point. I mean those are my those are my new masters. What
1: format is it on? Is it on a hard drive or where is it? Yeah,
0: it's on a hard drive. So let me tell you about how I archive stuff. I it and and you know from what I got from what you just said and maybe I took it wrong, it, it sounds like Do you archive piecemeal? You put a little something here, a little something here, a little something here? Is that normally how you archive?
1: I've got got a big USB drive that serves as an archive where selected libraries go on there. But I wouldn't call them exactly cold storage because, you know, once a month OmniFocus tells me to to replace that data with the most current version. So in a way, I would almost consider that more a backup.
0: Well, I would say my stuff is more in cold storage, and every now and again, I'll go through my computer and I'll say, okay, well, what projects on here? You know, maybe it's old projects that I'm not working on anymore. Can I go ahead and take and put into cold storage? And the, I mean, if and I try to do an audit of what can actually be deleted, i.e., I'm never going to need it again, and what can I put into cold storage? And I use a Drobo. The, the Drobo. I have a um, I have a folder on my Drobo specifically for archive, and so that's that's a good bit of my archive. And so I've got that organized and I've got this folder on my Drobo for archive. And But now keep in mind that your archive, if this data is important, which I'm assuming if you're keeping it, any data that you you thought enough to keep, you probably think you need to think enough to back up because an archive is not a backup. If you're archiving things to a hard drive and setting it on a shelf somewhere, that data is at risk for data loss because you only have it somewhere. So in my case, what I've done is I've archived all this data onto a special folder in my Drobo that I call the the archive folder. And then I've got that Drobo, and I did a blog post on on this, backed up a couple of different ways. Um, first and foremost, what I did yeah, you know, first and foremost, the Drobo kinda has built in backup to it because it's got those those multiple um those multiple disks. So if I have a single disk failure in the Drobo, I'm not going to lose any data because it's got um, a backup, and you can set it for dual-layer redundancy if you want. But just a plain hard drive failure in the Drobo is not going to cause me to lose any data. The concern with the Drobo is it is a single point of failure. So if I had a lightning strike or a theft or something like that, the, the Drobo could still fail and I could still lose the data on the Drobo. So what I've done is I bought, and these are getting real cheap, um, I bought a 3-terabyte hard drive off of Amazon when it was a gold box special a couple of months ago. And I've just hooked up this three terabyte hard drive to my Mac mini and I set up a carbon copy cloner rule. And I think it's every week um, that clones the contents of that Drobo to that external hard drive. So now I've got that data in two places. I've got it on the Drobo and I've got it on that external hard drive that the, the carbon copy cloner on the Mac mini server will mount, it will copy, and it will unmount it when it needs to. Now that's not a perfect backup because both of those backups are still sitting on hard drives in my house, you know, connected to power and connected to things. And then but but it gives me two different places. So I'm feeling pretty confident now about this data. It, it would take a major, major problem to make this stuff go away. And then my third level of backup, because this is a lot of data in this archive, especially because it's the original master files of those old home movies in addition to other things. Is um, because my crash plan backup is unlimited. I just started sending that stuff up to crash plan, and that backup has now completed. But it, it took a month or two for it to get up there. But now that that backup's completed, as I add new things to that archive, it gets uploaded to crash plan. But in the meantime, it gets backed up locally to that three terabyte hard drive as well.
1: See, we're talking semantics because what you just described to me is a backup plan. How do you call that an archive? Because it's the
0: it it's not on my primary computer,
1: yeah see to me an archive is something you stick in a closet it's not something that's running and that that's and there's a lot of things to be afraid of if you do that. if you put it on physical media or a hard drive and you stick it in a closet, even just the dvDs they degrade, and over time the data won't work and a hard drive at rest often stays at rest, so you know there's a lot of reasons why um. Arch- you got to just be careful if you're going to st- stick something in the closet. I mean, what Katie's describing really to me is a backup plan.
0: Yeah, but it's a backup plan. Well, and I guess that's what I'm telling you is I think your archives yeah. need to be fully backed up. Yeah, I think you yeah. need to have a backup plan for your archives. An archive is not a backup and a backup is not an archive. I think those are two separate things. And you need to have a backup for your archives.
1: I, I hurt. I hurt. My yeah, you're hurts. you're
0: going to go copy my Plan this weekend. I don't even.
1: I don't even understand it. I'm completely lost.
0: You want me to explain it again?
1: No, please. No. <laughs> Would well, you I, all I please did, write
0: it and tell David that my plan is brilliant?
1: It, it makes sense. I mean, I, all the big drives in your house—if they're the only place you're holding data—you need to back them up. I, yeah, because I like I'm, I'm not holding that stuff on my MacBook Air. You. Yeah, I, I like the idea of doing it automatically. That's that's clever. I mean, the way I do it is I pull out the big backup drive and plug it in and just run a I think a chronosync routine on it and that does it but it's not automatic so I have to look at it again but I'm not sure that we answered the question about archiving
0: well if there's a more specific question you have about that's my general overview of archiving if there's a more specific question you have about archiving email us back
1: hey you know I had a an exchange of emails with our listener Andre and we were talking about iOS security and uh I had made the comment on the show that I use a four-digit security code, and and Andre wrote in and said, "Dave, it's one two
0: three four, isn't it?"
1: No, it's not. Okay. No, it's not. It's one 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 one.
0: Or zero 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 zero.
1: Yeah. So he wrote in and said, "That's a bad idea. You don't want to do that." And I wrote him back and said, "Well, what about you know? I have the switch turned on that if you try it ten times, the phone." physically explodes in your hand oh
0: i got a bad story it wipes about that. the
1: memory or it wipes the memory
0: you, you can't and, do that with kids by the way
1: Young yeah kids. no that's yeah. a although I, I don't know if this is true or not a friend was telling me that after you attempt so many times it actually delays your attempts like it it won't let you do 10 in a row like bam 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 at some point it starts delaying you so hopefully the kid loses interest i don't know if that's true or not
0: kids never lose interest if their game's on that phone
1: as I sit here, I could try it, see what happens. Go Just got to keep track of it. Go for it. Okay. This 2222 two, two, two doesn't work. That's the second attempt. Third attempt. Fourth attempt. Fifth attempt. This is great, radio. Sixth attempt. Ah, see, At the sixth attempt, it says iPhone is disabled. Try again in one minute. Okay. So we answer it. And now. It's getting really hot in my hand. This doesn't feel good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, anyway. but, but still, so the, anyway. kids, the kids frustrated for a minute. Now they're going to go back and try again.
1: We're completely derailed. Okay, but okay. so the question was, I asked Andre, who seems to know something about this subject, well, aren't I okay? Because somebody is not going to get it in 10 attempts. And at that point, it's going to wipe the memory. And he says, no, if you, there is a way to plug it in and turn off that. And uh, so if you brute force it, you know, I guess with the right tools, they're going to get through. Um, maybe he's right. I'm still using a four-digit code, though.
0: Yeah, but if they're going to brute force it anyway, aren't it just a matter of time before they – I mean, I guess it's just exponentially yeah. a matter of time. Yeah. You hope maybe they grow on old and die before.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> then they're going to be very disappointed when they finally get through to my phone. That's the –
0: Well, it's like anything. It's it's convenience versus security. I mean, and that's, that's, again, why I've got one password on my phone and I've got, you know – My super secure stuff is in there.
1: Uh, I made a comment on a show a while back about my headless PC at the office. And I got a bunch of emails from people saying, Dave, what is a headless PC and how does that work? And the way it works is I I almost never use Windows. We've got a a Windows network at our office and there's a couple applications that I occasionally need off Windows. And my secretary's computer screen or monitor as the – The nerds like to say went down and rather than buy our new one, I took the screen off my PC and gave it to her. And so I have a headless PC. If I need to get into it, I just use a remote access app. We did a show on remote access a long time ago, which probably we could go back and look at again. The current choice I have for remote access on my Mac is an app called jump, jump desktop and I bought it through the App Store. I think it was about 20 bucks. It, was, it wasn't it was cheap, but I think it's better than Microsoft's remote desktop client. It allows me to use the full screen and it's faster and a couple other things I like better. But whenever I need to use the Windows PC in the office, I just RDC into it. In fact, it's kind of funny. At this point, we had an extra Apple um, monitor in the office, you know, one of the Uh, Thunderbolt monitors. So I just put it on the desk where the PC is, but it's not hooked up to the PC. I I, um, plug in the laptop to it once in a while. I use the keyboard and mouse sitting there.
0: It's just to fake people out.
1: Yeah, it's that was way too much information. But so a headless PC is nothing in my office, but just a PC without a monitor on it. And I can remote into it. And the last time that PC had a monitor attached to it was about a year and a half ago.
0: Now, I have a headless PC in my office as well, and I just use the Microsoft Remote Desktop application. It's
1: free. Well, check out. Jump. If you do it often, check out Jump. I think it's worth the money.
0: Okay. The um, Uh, the only time I've run into a little bit of trouble with that is like when I actually physically need to reboot the PC because Microsoft Remote Desktop doesn't let you reboot it. So then I just bend over and hit the button.
1: Yeah, that's my solution as well. Yeah. You got to be a rebel once in a while, Katie.
0: Well, but if I hit the button, then it pops up on the screen and says, do you want to shut down?
1: You could um, use your Klingon blood and just kick it really hard.
0: I do because it's under my desk. I kick it all the time and then it starts rattling and I'm like, oh, shoot. Probably What's on word
1: that? for that? Kicking stuff. You know?
0: mm, no, I don't. I'll look it up.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, no screens before two. When we uh, did the show with Natalie, we talked a little bit about kids and laptops and computers. And a very nice listener wrote in and said that the American Academy of Pediatrics remo- uh, recommends that children don't look at any screen before the age of two. Hmm. That's tough.
0: Well, I um, I think we're officially getting into our rapid fire section. Okay. Yeah, you're 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 creeping into our rapid fire section. So. Oh, am bef- I? Sorry. Yeah. No. Before we get there, maybe let's talk about our our last sponsor, and then we'll we'll cap up, cap this off with some more because you know we are getting close to our hour and thirty minute mark. And the I turn magic into a pumpkin. Hour. Yeah. Um. Do I turn into a pumpkin? No. Something turns into a pumpkin. My coach turns into a pumpkin. And um, anyway, <laughs> and so let's talk about our last sponsor, and that is Fujitsu and their ScanSnap line of products. And Memorial Day weekend was this past weekend as we record the show, and I was sitting out at the lake. Um, my mom was there, and um, you know, my brother's girlfriend was there, and, and we were all chatting, and my mom just said, you will be so proud of me. And I said, why is that? And she said, I spent all day yesterday getting rid of paper. I said, Really? Yeah, she was, she said I only have one little file left. And she was so pleased. And she started explaining to uh my brother's girlfriend who was sitting there and had no idea about this whole paperless lifestyle. I didn't even open my mouth and say a word. I mean, in fact, I told her at some point she's going to come on and do the the ad pitch for for ScanSnap at some point. Except she calls them SnapScan, so we'll have to fix that. Yeah. But She was just telling the whole ad pitch about what you do is you take the piece of paper and you stick it in the scanner and it scans both signs at the same time and you push the little button. And I've got hers set up so it goes to Evernote. But she says you can change that. You can change the little thing down by the bottom and you can tell it if you want to send somebody an email. You can click the little button and it will send somebody an email. And all the paper goes in and then when the paper comes out the other side, she crumbles it into a little ball and throws it in the middle of the room. Which is very cute, and then she picks it all up later and you know, tosses it, and she doesn't shred it, but whatever. And so she's developed all these little folders, and I've helped her create them. But now she knows how to. She uses Evernote. She's developed this whole file and folder system into Evernote, and she's basically replicated um, this paperless system to do this whole file and folder system that she used to have, filled with these binders and binders full of all of this household paper. And she was the the binders are gone, and she's thinking about going back and digitizing previous year's records so she can get rid of the old binders. And then she figured out that she can access all of this stuff on her iOS devices. And it is just, I mean, to see, she just started doing this in January. She started January one and she was okay. And she got into it in the first month she was figuring out and now she's out there evangelizing for it. It's just absolutely amazing.
1: Well, the ScanSnap does a really good job of making it easy for anybody to digitized paper it's a it's a fast scanner it's got a scanner on both sides so it gets the front and the back with one pass it's wicked fast it's got great software for the mac and the pc so as soon as she scans it in it's going to do the ocr and they've got all the hooks with the places you're going to want to send it you can send it to dropbox or evernote or or you can send it to an email recipient or preview or whatever you want to do with it so i can see why your mom has dug into this because I think so much of this stuff is inscrutable to people who don't spend a lot of time thinking about technology. And, and a year ago, your mom would have said there was no possible way she could ever manage a paperless workflow by herself, but with this technology, she can. And I think that's really why ScanSnap is universally loved by everybody that, that uses it, not just geeks, but non-geeks alone. They make a great product. They support it. They have great software. And they've got just about anything you could need for the Mac. They've got a desktop one that can capture all the documents up to 50 pages at once. So that's the new one, the iX500, which has oh. got some really great features.
0: And it is so fast. Um, um, the one my mom has is the 1300, which is uh, big enough for a desk, small enough to put in a drawer and still small enough to stick in your briefcase and travel with if you want to. She likes that because she's a small desk at home and she can keep it on the top of the desk, or if she's got company coming over or needs more space on the desk, she can just fold it up and collapse it and put it in the drawer. But that's great because it still has a small document feeder, so she can still do a couple of documents. I think we'll do up to 10 pages front and back. Um, or they have the 1100, which I'm finding more and more uses for. In fact, now that I've got this neat little carrying case for it, pretty much just lives in my briefcase, and you can do one off single page at a time here and there, and I'm finding more and more things that I'm scanning on the go and depositions or mediations are just what I'm out and about. Yeah. a
1: lot. Once in a while, I'll get an email from someone saying, do they get the 1100 or the 1300? And if it's your only scanner, I think you get the 1300 because having that sheet feeder really makes a big difference. You can just stick a stack of bills in there or, or documents and it'll zip right through them. With the 1100, you've got to feed each page. Uh, It's a great second scanner, but if you're just going to get one, I I would get either the the 1300 or the Axe 500.
0: You can check them all out and compare specs and get more information at their website. And if you use the link at ez.com slash SSMPU, which scans for ScanSnap MPU, that'll let them know that we sent you to them. And regardless of where you buy, please drop them a note when you register your scanner or send them a note on Twitter and let them know that we sent them to you. And uh, thanks to Fujitsu for their continued sponsorship of Mac Power users.
1: Hey, you know what a lot of our listeners do?
0: They use Evernote.
1: Well, I was going to say a lot of them use treadmill disks because oh. <laughs> we, we went through a phase with Lex Friedman and a couple other guests where we talked about treadmill disks. We got so many pictures from listeners who had built their own treadmill disks. We got a healthy group following this podcast.
0: Yeah. Have you I just wanted to say, have, that. have you taken one to the office yet? You were thinking about it.
1: No, I'm not going to do that. It just they they would lose it if i showed up with one we do have a treadmill at the house Uh, i had a little knee injury over the last month so i haven't been doing as much as i'd like but i'm i'm on it again and you know using my lynda.com stuff to to learn while i do it so but we've got ours in front of the tv and i think that's a good place so kind of the rule in our house is if any if the tv's on somebody needs to be walking
0: okay well a lot of our listeners do also use evernote yeah how's that for a transition?
1: It's okay. Okay.
0: So Don sent a tip and I, i mentioned that I use Evernote all the time, but I really don't use tags. I mean, with my automated Hazel workflow with Evernote, I throw tags in there, but I just don't normally use them. They're one more search criteria, but I won't independently add them. So here's Don's tip for using tags in Evernote. And do you ever order items online so many times that you don't know if you actually got them? Yes, I do that. Sometimes I admit. So he says, save your order confirmation and tag it order. And now you can see what you're still waiting for. And when you receive the item, change the tag from order to receive. And you could also use this method to bill customers. And you could say invoice or awaiting payment or whatever. You basically just use it as a switch. And Evernote will keep track of how long things have been unpaid or outstanding or whatever. Just by virtue of you know when the note was created or when it was last modified.
1: My, my relationship with Evernote is so strange. I, I really wasn't much of a fan of it for a long time. And now I start looking at how often I'm using it. And I'm opening it almost every day, which is unusual for me. Because usually when I, I either like or dislike a technology, and if I like it, I like jump in with both feet and I go really deep. And Evernote has been kind of creeping up on me. But I don't know. I mean, some of these, these features make it really tempting.
0: Now I will tell you. Um, I mean, I I personally think that um, Brett Kelly's book is the ultimate guide for Evernote. But if you're looking for something a little bit lighter, just to get into Evernote and and maybe experiment a little bit, Bradley Chambers did introduce a series of videos that he's releasing. I think it's ten videos for five bucks. It's like an yeah. hour's worth of content. It's a great way to get your toe wet in Evernote.
1: Yeah.
0: I I learned some tips and tricks.
1: And I think Bradley is also a listener.
0: He is. Hi, Brad.
1: Um, uh, time, inter- time machine intervals with secrets. We, occasionally we talk on the show about the secrets app and we've probably talked about it 10 times but uh, recently we brought it up and someone wrote in, Brian wrote in and said that um, there's a time machine setting in secrets that looks like it does what Katie described and in terms of setting time machine editing and setting longer backup intervals.
0: Yeah. And um, I'd previously used an application called Time Machine Editor to do this. It was a one trick pony and it worked very well because, you know, my my although I you know, talk about the virtues of backup and blah, blah, blah. Um, especially on my MacBook Air, I really don't want to run in every hour or so because I, I do notice a little bit of a performance hit. So I set my time machine interval. I don't remember if it's three or four hours, but something like that. And so I use this One Trick Pony time machine editor, which is great, works fine. But apparently you can, it, it just flips a bit in the terminal on a plist file somewhere, uses a terminal command to flip a bit in a plist file anywhere. But a, apparently you can um, you can also do that with secrets that will flip the same bit.
1: And if this is the first time you're hearing about Secrets, go download it. It's a free app. It installs in your preferences pane or system preferences. I always get that wrong. And you open it up, and there's all these hidden preferences on the Mac, and a bunch of them are app-specific. And Secrets basically collects all of those, puts a nice little user interface on it so you can push a button instead of having to go into Terminal and do a bunch of magic.
0: Yeah. Um, better touch tool, which is an application that we've talked about several times on this show. Um, got it. I don't know if this is a new feature, but it was one that I didn't realize that it had, and it's the snap feature. Now it's not quite as full featured as Moom. Um, but what it will do is that if you, um, drag apps to certain corners of the screen, it will snap in half or quarter screen sizes. Again, uh, it's, it's similar to Moom, but you know, it, Kind of does something different, so you can check them out and see what you like.
1: Yeah, I I still prefer Moom for that stuff, but Better Touch Tool is an amazing app.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm gonna send that guy some money. You should, because I'm using this app all the time, and uh, he did have an app in the app store at one point that was kind of like Moom, and it it did a window snapping, and I bought it simply because I kept using Better Touch Tool, and it seemed like an easy way to help him out, and uh, going to send some money to them though because i i use better touch tool all the time in fact i think we should do that maybe on a future show we should talk about some of our um our um, taps that we use
0: like a utility show where we talk about all the utilities that we use because we just did that one yeah
1: no i mean just you know follow up with better touch tools specifically oh, or maybe okay. i'll do a post on it we'll talk okay. i don't know there's definitely not a full show there but it's something worth mentioning and if you haven't yet we talk about this all the time, but Better Touch Tools, a free app. You can download it, and you can add a bunch of functionality to the trackpad or the magic trackpad.
0: Yep. All right. Have we finally cleared out all the feedback? Can we start yes, fresh we now? Have. Yes, we have. All right. Everybody stop emailing.
1: No, keep it coming. Yep. I love hearing I'm, from our I'm listeners. I'm
0: just kidding. Um, I guess we should mention you may have noticed that with the re- website redesign comments are no more sorry about that but we do read all of your email and we're going to be doing these um listener feedback and q a shows i think more often because there's a lot of value here you guys are really smart and we we certainly don't want to discourage you from writing in fact just the opposite um we just kind of the comments were getting a little overwhelming sorry
1: the time it took to manage it folks that's the problem
0: yeah we'd much rather take that time and invest it in a show like this and then everybody can be um you know benefit from your brilliance.
1: Okay, so we made it to the end. Katie, how do you find us?
0: You can find that beautiful redesigned website, compliments of John Chandler, at uh, MacPowerusers.com or at five dot TV slash MPU slash one forty for
1: this episode. You can also send us email to feedback at MacPowerUsers and you can send us Twitter to at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd and I'm at max
0: And all of those will also work on app.net.
1: Yeah. Yes, they will.
0: All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. And uh, check out the show notes for links to all the wonderful things in there. And we will see you all next time.